I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter, Madeline. We request that anyone who may have any information related to Madeline's disappearance, no matter how trivial, contact the Portuguese police and help us get her back safely. Please, if you have Madeline, let her come home to her mummy, Daddy, brother and sister. Madeline was nearly four years old when she vanished from the family's holiday apartment in Portugal. Two Portuguese police investigations have found no proof of her fate, 
nor has Scotland Yard, which began its own investigation six years ago. Obviously, massive events like this um, cause a lot of reaction, a lot of trauma and upset, but ultimately, you have to keep going. The Portuguese police have been searching throughout the day, perplexed and baffled like so many here. There appear to be no clues and no obvious leads and the sense of shock is immense. And the question now preoccupying police is, did somebody break in? And if so, how did they get through this type of shutter? Britain's ambassador to Portugal would not put his weight behind the idea this was definitely a kidnapping. More and more people seem to be pointing the finger at you, saying the way you behave is not the way people would normally behave if their child is abducted. And they seem to imply that you might have something to do with it. There is absolutely no way Kate and I are involved in this abduction. Everyone thinks, well, what could have happened? But some of the scenarios with other people who have been abducted and kept, it's just so unbelievable that you think, how, how could that have happened? And that's probably what's going to happen with Madeline's case. Did you kill your daughter? No, no, never. And, you know, there's nothing with any logic that could... You know, you would have to start with why, you know, how, when, who, and th there's just simply, you know, the answer to any of these things is th there's nothing to suggest anything. So, no, that's an emphatic no. Survival can be summed up in three words. Never give up. That's the heart of it, really. Just keep trying. Sometimes you have to get knocked down, lower than you ever have been, to stand up taller than you ever were. Perseverance is stubbornness. Regardless of outcome, a truly horrific crime has been committed. This will remain. It is true, though, that uncertainty creates weakness. Knowledge and certainty give strength. And for this reason, our need for answers for the truth is essential. Welcome to our Good Murderer podcast. It is the season finale, and he is there. He's sitting straight across me. He hasn't left. It is Ben Carter. Are you ready for a little time apart? Are you? Have you processed the fact that this is the finale, and we're going to have a little siesta? I've got some bad news for you, Ben, because we're not going to have time mm. apart. Because we are. We've decided. Hang on. I don't think we're going to go straight into this, but. We are going to still be putting out audio uh, episodes and a completely new strand we're coming up with as well for the YouTube. But we thought we don't want to leave and just leave you desolate for mm. however long we do. We're going to keep content going, which hopefully is good news to some people back home. So, yeah, we can't wait to show you the new uh, kind of interim content uh, between the series. We're also very excited to be back with uh, Series 6. So to stay in the loop for all things going on in our world, we've got the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Could Murder a Pod. Uh, you'll be well and truly in the loop of all things us. We also wanted to say a massive thank you for anyone that's joined us uh, this series or supported us throughout. We really, really appreciate all of the lovely, lovely feedback. I believe you've also, Tom, checked out a few of our reviews recently. Yes, I've said for a while that if you left a little review on Apple, I would go over and read out anyone's uh, tickle us in a certain way. 
So Deborah Drew 77 said, I love the content. I love the utter cringe sometimes when the tumbleweed floats by after a funny, not funny joke. Tumbleweed. I'm not sure if she's, she's aiming that at you. Uh, she also goes on to say, uh, if I was taking a sip of coffee or green tea, depending on which mood uh, takes me, I fear I would spray my laptop screen with the contents from my sip. This is what I love about Tom. Ben and Dan, you just don't know when you might need a bib or some protective gear. Keep doing what you're doing, unless it's being bland or boring and not spray inducing. Spray inducing. Yeah. Mm. So, a massive thank you to anyone that has supported us uh, throughout this series. We really, really appreciate it. We've had some uh, some big cases, you know, climbed up the Spotify charts, and we really appreciate anyone just enjoying the content, telling people about us. That's the best thing you can do for us. Um, we really appreciate all the referrals and um, anyone that's also supported us on Patreon or buying a buying a little bit of merch. We really, really appreciate it, and we can't wait to show you the kind of new content we're working on. But also, we can't wait to be back with Series Six. We've already kind of discussed some of the cases we want to cover and i'm excited and a big thank you to the icmap crew ben bonsi on the editing phil witten on the animation daniel said remain on the uh, on the additional research as well as any voiceovers that's helped us throughout the series and as well our resident doctor dr das a big thank you it wouldn't be the podcast without you guys you're welcome I mean, you're, you're part of the, th- the crew here. Didn't get and mentioned. a m- massive shout out to our in-house special guy in the corner, producer Dan. Didn't get mentioned. Fuck yeah. I mean, Dan, you're part, you just, you should be thanking people as well, if anything. You're welcome. So usually when we typically cover serial killers, mass murderers, all round bad people, we go on to uh, their early life, look for red flags, uh, kind of warning signs there. But this week it's somewhat of a mystery, which I think is why we're quite intrigued to go through this one. We did a couple of series ago, The Mystery of John Bonet. So this is kind of, I would say, the UK european equivalent so what we're going to do is go for a bit of background before the timeline of events we're going to talk quickly about the family and their kind of history and then we're going to go into the very infamous night of may the 3rd 2007 we're going to go into quite a detailed timeline of events there then we're going to break down kind of the key suspects common beliefs theories which quite excited to share we're also going to share our own opinions of the case towards the end so can't wait for producer dan to break that one down as well as conspiracy theories which of which there are plenty the aftermath and kind of the legacy and we'll conclude with our opinions on potential whereabouts and our own theories did you enter this episode with any particular theories or kind of feeling toward the case prior really weirdly i had no opinion at all until i've sat down and done my research and now i've got i've got a theory which i think holds water okay dan any any kind of feeling toward the case i'm actually on the side of the parents have messed up in terms of their parental skills um I don't know too much about the details. I'm intrigued to hear about what you've got to say on the matter. Sure. I went into it, I think, just kind of a bit of the, you know, crowd mentality echo chamber. I went into it kind of with bad negative opinions of the parents. Same kind of thing, yeah, admittedly. You know, but it's very easy to do, isn't it? You look down on the parents leaving the kids there, but the amount of families would have done that and nothing would have happened. Yeah. You know, it's... it's but, yeah, I went into it thinking, oh, well, yeah, they're, they're definitely involved. But then, like, I want to go through the episode and kind of might try and formulate my opinion a bit more throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, there's so much opinion out there. It's very divisive. There's lots of people who are adamant that they are involved and they're guilty. And then there's lots of people who think, you know, you know, heartbroken for them. So yeah. uh, yes, it's, it's a very, very interesting case. And yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's very much the UK equivalent equivalent to John Bonet. So we do like a mystery one. We do like one. We can discuss it a bit more and, you know, have a bit of conjecture between ourselves. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to get into this one. Well, let's do it. 
Madeleine McCann was born on the 12th of May 2003 in Leicester, England. She was the first of three children born to Kate and Jerry McCann, who would go on to have twins two years after Madeleine was born, a boy called Sean and a girl called Amelie in 2005. Kate Marie McCann was born in 1968 and she grew up in Highton, which is in the Liverpool area. She was raised in a strict Roman Catholic family and received a very loving upbringing. She went on to study medicine at the University of Dundee, for which she graduated in 1992. She has since worked in gynaecology and anaesthetics before becoming a GP. Gerald Patrick McCann, or Jerry, who would commonly be referred to as, was born in 1968 and he was raised in Glasgow. From the off, he was a very competitive young man. He was very, very competitive with his older brother, John, from an extremely young age. He studied sports science and physiology at the University of Glasgow, from which he would graduate in 1989. And he has since worked as a consultant cardiologist in Leicester, where the family have been based since 2005. So both Kate and Jerry had humble beginnings and had to work extremely hard to get into medical school. Nothing was put on a plate for them. And I think going into this case, a lot of people had preconceptions of the family becoming from affluent upbringings as well. So it's quite interesting that they didn't. The pair met in Glasgow in 1993 and they go on to get married in 1998. And Madeline was born five years later in 2003 after being conceived by IVF. The couple had struggled to conceive in the years prior to this. So the birth of Madeline uh, breathed kind of new life into the relationship. As Tom mentioned, they'd been trying for many years to conceive without any luck. And obviously via IVF, they were able to have Madeline. They were now a family, uh, which was something the couple had dreamed of since they first met. And this would soon be followed by the arrival of their twins. So yeah, they're very much the picture perfect kind of upper middle class family in the Midlands. Both successful careers, a loving family with three beautiful children. They had a, a, a decent amount of... Uh, of family income as well but obviously they'd worked hard all their lives to achieve that uh, and they were surrounded by very loving proud family members so kate and jerry now have the family they've always wanted they've got good paying jobs they're about to go on holiday with their friends and their family it's, it's a very exciting time and this holiday would be where their lives change forever but before we jump into the madeline mccann timeline we want to say a huge thank you to this week's sponsor it's only the guys over at dead happy yeah, huge shout out to Dead Happy for supporting us throughout the series. You're giving Dan clothes to wear, you're giving us mugs, you're giving us socks. We very much appreciate it. And Ben, on, on the topic of this week's episode, if you go on holiday, things can happen. So often when I go on my holidays, Tom, the last thing I'm thinking about is insurance. I'm too busy focusing on that skydive in New Zealand, swimming with sharks in the uh, the outback, where there's not a lot of sea, famously. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, fuck. I've seen a lot of people that, that enjoy air gliding, hang gliding air gliding <laughs> you, you are really into your extreme sports aren't you I, love I can you. tell that about you but the thing yeah. is if you haven't got life insurance and you're doing those things and you know you come a cropper you die if you haven't got the insurance your family aren't going to be looked after and protected and your family going to suffer they're twice gonna, yeah they're going to be sad and they're like well he has no insurance oh it doesn't take partaking in an extreme sport for accidents to happen, Tom. You could be strolling down the beach, nipping down to the supermarket, the supermarché. Or you could, Tom, like when we went on our first boys' holiday, go to an all-you-can-drink for €10 Euro bar and let me get on the back of a random person's moped and never see me again. I did see you again, and uh, uh, the way you were behaving that night, I wanted to take the risk. So registering with Dead Happy has never been so simple. That's whether you've already got an existing policy or you're, you're new to life insurance altogether. It's completely hassle-free and you only have to answer a handful of questions. 
And as well, your life can be unpredictable and your circumstances can change. And with Dead Happy, you can also change your policy. You can change it as you go. So you're not always going to have to stick to the same plan. You can adapt it to your lifestyle. So not only will you be helping yourself, you'll also be helping your loved ones. You'll also be helping your good friends over here at I Could Murder a Podcast by heading over to deadhappy.com and using the code MURDER at checkout to get your first three months of cover free. Now let's go back to the case. In May of 2007, Jerry and Kate McCann took their three children on holiday to the Ocean Club in Praia de Luz, Portugal. Praia de Luz, Tom, it's known as the Beach of Light in uh, Portuguese. That's the translation. It's also known as Little Britain. Is it? Due to the frequency and volume of British tourists that flock to the area. Sounds horrible. Little Britain, yeah. Mm. Wouldn't want to go. During the evenings, the McCanns left their children asleep in their apartment, joining their other friends who dined regularly at the resort's open-air tapas restaurant, which was around 50 metres away from where their children were sleeping in the apartment. This is a point which a lot of people immediately um, are criticising the parents for. I've heard in interviews Jerry saying it's essentially felt the same as leaving the kids in the house when you're out in your garden, is what he said, which I feel, unless you were very elaborate, lovely big garden mm. it doesn't quite feel the same the front door was locked but they would leave the porch door open apparently this is because they were worried that the front door might awake the kids when they come home so the porch door was a bit more quiet and subtle but they are essentially leaving a access to people obviously yeah. not thinking about that but they are leaving an advantage point for people to come and go through that door yeah and it was also in a direct line of kind of street access as well so for them to have gone to the tapas bar they would have to have left their apartment gone on to the uh, the street beside the apartment and then re-entered the resort to get to the tapas mm. bar as you said it was very complex yeah and i don't think people have street access in their gar in the back gardens no so jerry mm, not sure so on the 3rd of May 2007, this was the penultimate day of the McCann family holiday. Over breakfast, their eldest child, Madeline, asked her parents why they had not been in their apartment when she woke up and she was crying the night before. Kate and Jerry decided to constantly check on their children that night when they were out for the meal. So that's like, that'd be upsetting as a parent, you know, your kid's woken up yeah. and scared and crying and you're not there to comfort them. Yeah, so for then, a three-year-old to say, why didn't you come? Yeah. Why don't you come over to us? Mm. So the family spent some time in the pool and then the kids go off to the resort's kids club whilst Kate and Jerry have a tennis lesson. Kids clubs, Benny, have you been to many kids clubs? Been to a couple, yeah. was very lucky during my childhood. Parents went to Mallorca, Menorca, all the... All the Orcas. Canary Island, yes. And uh, yeah, got left with a couple of kids clubs, made some friends, but I got stung on the palm by a Spanish wasp. Ooh. Hola. Um, yeah, that was painful. I was trying to climb over a wall, put my hand directly on top of a wasp. And then they, they didn't let me go to any more kids' clubs. Came back and my dad was winning a volleyball match, which really surprised me. Got a certificate. You got a certificate? My dad did, yeah. Oh, nice. And I was there just... Ball comes to you, you go, I can't, Dad. <laughs> so the family then returned to the apartment at around 6pm and Kate gets the children ready for bed whilst Jerry goes to play tennis again. Keen tennis player. Mm. Keen. So there is witnesses to cooperate the story. Uh, the family are all, all well and fine at this stage and yeah, the children get ready to go to bed. So the first part of this timeline, obviously, is going over one evening. So we're going to go break it down hour by hour. And then we'll go on to a kind of bit more extensive timeline after that. 7pm, Jerry returns from tennis and reads Madeline a bedtime story. The twins are put in a travel cot next to Madeline's bed and the shutters outside their ground floor bedroom are down and the window is closed. Kate and Jerry make sure the children are asleep, leaving the door ajar as they head to the tapas restaurant at around 8.30 with seven of their friends. 
So yeah, as Tom mentioned, they were there were a couple of witnesses that saw Kate bringing Madeline back to the apartment. Uh, they claimed that Madeline looked exhausted, had been playing all day with the kids club. And so parents, they've had a long day of tennis. They want to go out now and have a few drinks with their friends. So 9.05pm, Jerry returns to the apartment to check on the kids following the, night, the previous night where Madeline complained about them not being there. He notices the bedroom door is in a different position to how he left it. He walks into the room and sees all three children asleep in their beds. He heads back to the restaurant and stops for a conversation with someone along the way. 9.15pm, another parent in the dinner group, Jane Tanner, who we'll talk about more shortly, heads back to her own apartment to check on her children. She walks past the McCann's apartment on the way and observes a man carrying a child. This would later go on to become the police's main suspect in the subsequent investigation. There would also be a sketch formed of this individual that Jane Tanner claimed to have seen. See, she described this gentleman as having long, scraggly black hair and he's wearing like a thick coat. I think for especially for Brits abroad, we wear shorts and they kind of when there's a little bit of sun. So someone someone wearing a coat, they kind of assumed it must be a local because, you know, like if you go away to anywhere in Europe, you're walking around in shorts and a vest and you see everyone in the locals wearing fleeces and stuff. She immediately from that took there must be a local person. He's carrying the child. The child had bare feet as well. And she's kind of like, that's a bit odd. Yeah. um, And uh, yeah, walking in a certain direction which she noted the direction he was walking in as well yeah she also claimed that the the it was a female uh, child that was being carried that was dressed in, and she she based that assumption on the fact that the child was wearing pink pajamas so 9 30 p.m one of the other parents at dinner offers to check on the mccann children whilst he checks on his own in the apartment next door he returns and says everything is fine and quiet 10 p.m Kate McCann finishes her meal and goes back to her apartment. She notices that the children's bedroom door is wide open, but as she goes to close it, the wind slams it shut. She goes into the room and realises that Madeline isn't in her bed. Kate immediately notices the previously closed window is open and that the shutters are up. Madeline is nowhere to be found within the apartment. Kate is beyond herself at this point, really, really panicking. She sprints back to the, uh, the, the group at the tapas bar where she is claimed to have said, somebody's taken Madeline, they've taken. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss can her so she obviously returns to the group at the tapas bar all of her friends now in panic jerry now in panic she raises the alarm police are called and staff as well as guests at the resort immediately search for madeline until the following day 
Border police and airports are put on high alert and the effort to find Madeleine McCann begins, with hundreds of volunteers joining the search over the following days. Apparently, there's kind of uh, some some uh, contradictions here. The Portuguese police apparently didn't see the shutters open as Jerry McCann allegedly closed them when he got there. As well, this parents have been criticised because um, their other friends as well came into the area and into the household, you know, which spreading their DNA all over the scene as well. It's very much like the John Bonet case. Them being doctors and understanding, you know, that kind of thing, it is, it, they've been like, that's a bit weird that they kind of got everyone to come into the household and, you know, just like walking around the whole crime scene. Yeah, within two or three hours, over 20 people had been in that apartment, yeah. which is just staggering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so trying to preserve that scene. Uh, so the 4th of May 2007, Portuguese police begin their investigation into the kidnapping of Madeline. The McCanns make a televised appeal for information, whilst Kate holds Madeline's favourite toy, Cuddle Cat. Jerry says, Words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter Madeline. We request that anyone who may have information relating to Madeline's disappearance, no matter how trivial, contact the Portuguese police and help us get her back safely. Please, if you have Madeline, let her come home to her mummy, daddy, brother and sister. The Portuguese police weren't immediately that happy about this statement. They had asked the McCanns to remain quiet and not go to the media. But obviously, the, these parents are panicking about their daughter and they immediately want uh, a reaction and mm. to, to locate Madeline. So the following morning, the 5th of May 2007, Portuguese police announced that they believe Madeline was abducted, but is still alive and still in Portugal. Almost 24 hours have passed by this point. Jerry and Kate uh, claim that they state they weren't able to sleep, uh, understandably so, and they waited immediately until sunrise at 6am to then go and explore the local area by the, the aid of sunlight. So I just thought that in itself is quite a haunting image mm. where, the, you know, I assume people are going down to the beach and to the pool to kind of, you know, save a seat and they're then exploring the undergrowth they're exploring the beach i think as well there's a an unusually large number of um natural wells in this particular part of portugal so they were searching down ravines and ditches wells uh, the beaches lots of undergrowth whilst everyone else in the area was a holiday goer just having the time of their lives so yeah haunting image there and their panic would would continue for for, for numerous days at this point over the following days, quite a large period of time is going to go past with, without any real results. So police during the first week were, uh, local police were told that they would have their annual leave cancelled so they had more numbers to search the local area. They started searching uh, caves and sewers and local waterways that run all through Praia de Luz. And there is a lot of criticism of local police and the McCanns at this point as well. So they, they believe that they've missed a lot of opportunities during the really prime hours of, yep. of the search they didn't have any kind of uh, roadblocks in place they weren't doing house to house searches they weren't uh, utilizing motorway surveillance so if you think that if we we're going to talk about the abduction or the intruder mm. theories yep. later there's a lot of mistakes here and interpol as well were not contacted or, or able to issue a global missing persons alert until five days after madeline goes yeah. missing which is shocking also, a lot of criticism as well. Police did not interview all of the staff at the resort. Fellow holidaymakers in the area also were not interviewed. So there's a lot of opportunities here during what is referred to as the golden hours, completely missed by Portuguese police. So the 14th of May 2007, Robert Murat, um, who was the first Aguido, which is the uh, Portuguese term for official suspect, is taken in for questioning. We're going to go on a bit more detail about each of the suspects later on, but he essentially came forward because he could speak um, Portuguese. Portuguese and English and he could translate he's basically offering his services to the police to try and assist with these with the search which you could look at that and just go that well he's just 
what a lovely bloke. Yeah, what a lovely bloke. But yeah. like we know from Ian Huntley and other cases we've done before, sometimes the people who are the perpetrators can put themselves forward quite quickly. And he did actually reside at his mother's house, which was very close to the resort where they were staying. So yeah. the, the police were a bit like, there's something fishy going on here. We say it all the time, hidden in plain sight. He also had a daughter, very similar age. Actually, also, interestingly, looks a little bit like mm. Madeline as well, back in the UK. For whatever reason, I believe his relationship had broken down. So he is an interesting character, Tom. Mm. Very interesting they character. Could, they could smell a murat. They could, yes. Yeah. yeah. So on the 26th of May 2007, we mentioned earlier the description given by Jane Tanner, possibly seeing a, a local man carrying a young female child. This was backed up by another couple, Martin and Mary Smith, who were holidaying in Pride de Luge from Ireland. Police basically issue this particular description uh, uh, to local press and local media. So Portuguese uh, police also um, release a composite uh, sketch of this individual the initial one is very much just an oval shape with some hair on it it looks like if you started a mr potato head but gave up extremely early hold it right there people sorry to interrupt i just want to say a huge thanks to our brand new sponsor harry's who the f is harry you say no harry's the shaving company now if you've heard about harry's or seen harry's on the tv it's not just a shaving company it's way more than that it's a whole skincare ethos Harry's believes that a good pre-shave routine can make all the difference between a nasty irritation and close, comfortable results. So here's a question. To those people who shave their face, do you use a face wash before you shave? I bet you don't. And to be honest, I've never thought about it before, but it all makes sense. Excess oil and dead skin cells build up over time. Exfoliating all of this away from your face before you shave means you're less likely to suffer from ingrowns and breakouts. Using the Harry's Gentle Cleanser leaves the skin feeling refreshed, the hair soft, making your shave feel smoother than before. And it just, it just feels really good to use. The team over at Harry's sent us a little sample pack and... Boy, has it changed my skincare routine! For one, the weighted handle of the shaver feels so good. Two, the face wash feels insane... And three, Harry's has kindly sorted out our listeners, so much so you can redeem a free Harry's trial set. And all you have to do is cover the £3.95 delivery fee. Just head over to harrys.com forward slash murder to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Honestly, this is such a good offer. If you redeem it, you get a good deal and you really help us out too. It's a no brainer. Okay, sorry about that. Back to the boys. On the 30th of May 2007, uh, Kate and Jerry actually went on to meet the Pope in Rome. <laughs> Seems a very, I mean, obviously. Um, uh, Kate came from a Roman Catholic background. Yeah. It shows the kind of gravitas this case was given very early yeah. on. Obviously, you know, the pictures were word spread very quickly. But that's another thing with this case, which makes you feel slightly uneasy, is the fact that the amount of missing people, missing children that have happened who have barely any media coverage, mm-hmm. let alone getting you know, an audience with the Pope. It seems to be very, very odd. And obviously this is helping them. They're basically on, on the trail now to try and you know get the word out as much as possible and just to highlight the search for, the, for their daughter. Yeah, this is where some of the initial criticism comes in for the McCanns. They basically went on like a, what was referred to by some of the press tabloids as a mini tour, a mini mm. European tour, because they went to Morocco, Spain, Portugal, obviously Italy. And there's even a um, uh, an interview with Jerry where one reporter asks him, you know, why, why are you doing this tour? Why mm. are you on this tour? And he, he very angrily come and this is not a tour this is an awareness campaign or something like that mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree and there were numerous missing portuguese children at the time which again the amount of media attention financial backing that this case received made a lot of the locals yeah. very 
angry uh, comparatively. So yeah, completely, completely see that. So June of 2007, Madeline has been missing by this point for over a month. Uh, investigators are searching for what could have possibly gone wrong, what could they have done better. One of the Portuguese police chiefs actually comes forward to admit that they did not secure the scene correctly and they may have lost vital forensic clues as a result of this or the evidence may have been destroyed as a result of this. So there's a lot of outrage from both the UK and Portugal at this point. And in July 2007, British police send sniffer dogs to assist the investigation. So these dogs apparently were very well known in the business if you needed to solve a crime. They were very, very good, very on it. Eddie and Keeler were the names. To note, they've been brought in three months after this has started. Cadaver dogs and sniffer dogs can sniff out things from years old or, you know, months on. So it's not a huge thing. But the, the big thing to note here was the villa, it wasn't in use for a month afterwards, but then they did recirculate it. So people were back in there living in that in that crime scene when they put the dogs in. Obviously, the dogs are there to smell, you know, for, for Madeline. So there is, you know, but they are cadaver dogs as well. So there's been criticism over how long it took them to bring the dogs in. And yeah, it's just a bit of an odd one. I mean, cadaver dogs aren't always spot on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these dogs apparently were very, very good at what they did. We'll go into a bit more detail later on about what they did actually find. Yeah, it's, it's just, I, I find it, baffling the fact the house is put back in circulation when, yeah, the, yeah. when the ongoing investigation was happening you got to make ends meet you got to keep your business running but surely surely that mm. becomes a tourist attraction after a certain number of weeks and yeah they're allowing other people to stay in that room less than a couple of months after madeline goes missing from the same room it's that's bizarre isn't it yeah on the 6th of August 2007, a local Portuguese newspaper outlet, actually before the police even come forward about this, begins to report that the sniffer dogs found traces of blood on a wall within the McCann's holiday apartment. And again, people have been staying in this room for several weeks. It's, it's leaked via the press rather than the local police. Yeah, and another thing to note, obviously, with this, you know, the apartment being used afterwards was it was obviously used a long time before as well. So, you know, different family members being in there. It could be a, a, a number of different people that could have, you know, cut themselves or, or left the mark on the wall. 11th of August 2007, this now marks 100 days since the disappearance of Madeline. There's obviously a lot of pressure from various governments, there's lots of pressure from various police forces, national police forces. Portuguese police, for the first time, publicly acknowledge that Madeline may not be found alive. What's the stat with um, yeah, how long it takes usually until it's, it's, it's presumed that it's going to be something fatal? I haven't come with any kind of local stats, as a, you know, my tidbits as normal, but I've got some actually useful factual stuff this week go so, on so of all child abductions or, or children to go missing almost half of the recovered children are found within the first three hours 94% of recovered children are found within 72 hours However, some slightly more grim figures, and actually we covered this recently on Patreon with the Mark de True case, the uh, the Beast of Belgium. 72% of murdered children are murdered within the first three hours, and 91% of murdered children are murdered within the first 24 hours. That's She's now moment. been missing for this stage 100 days. And it's the fact, obviously we'll go into it in terms of people, there are sightings and things like that, but... As a parent, you must be thinking the absolute worst here. And at this point, they've got no, you know, very little leads to follow up, no clear suspects, barely any protected forensic evidence. They've not got a lot to kind of feed back on. It's, yeah, it's looking very, very bleak. So the 6th of September 2007, Kate McCann is being brought in as a witness and she's, been, she's basically being questioned by the Portuguese police. And this is quite an alarming stat. She refuses to answer 48 questions, which is a lot, considering there's been a bit of a fractured relationship between the Portuguese police and the McCanns. Mm -hmm. 
I think they probably would have known that they are being suspected as, you know, they are suspects. Of course, the police have to look at the family members first and the immediate people around them. But I think it just seems like, yeah, she's very worried or thinks they're going to try and trip her up in some way. See, I think she's been advised to stay Mm. quiet, although Jerry would actually give a bit more information during his later interview. I think that the British police and the British uh, legal teams that they've dealt with, I think her lawyers have suggested that she just remains quiet Mm. because maybe they've identified that Kate is slightly more emotional compared to Jerry and may give additional information that she does not need to give. But I also think, I don't think she makes that. They're smart. The McCanns are smart, but I don't think she makes that decision alone. So the 7th of September, 2007, after refusing to answer these 48 questions, Portuguese detectives officially make Kate and Jerry McCann are guidos in their investigation. So this is a big deal, the fact that the Portuguese police have come out to declare that Kate and Jerry are considered our guidos. They base this not only on the fact that Kate refused to answer these 48 questions, but also based on the uh, cadaver dogs exploring the holiday apartment as well as exploring the car park. So they found some blood evidence on a rental car that the McCanns had rented out. They actually rented this particular car out after Madeline had already disappeared. The cadaver dogs all... Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So alerted twice during the search of the apartment and the two particular moments that they, they alerted were number one in the parents' bedroom and number two near the back patio entrance with the sliding doors that Tom mentioned. Yeah, so they marked on the area of the tiles in the living room and next to the window and behind the sofa because there's another theory about the sofa, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. About, um, about an accident there. The dogs also alerted to uh, a set of clothes that were identified as Kate McCann's clothing and also one of Madeline's toys a toy that Kate would actually carry around in various media appearances shortly after her daughter had already disappeared. So the 9th of September 2007, four months after Madeline went disappeared, the McCanns make the decision they're going to fly back to England. And also there's two days after they've been named as Arguidos. So that's, again, doesn't look good on them to be named as suspects. And they're like, okay, we're going to leave now. Mm. They take the two... Arguidos, adios, off we goes. 
So the 2nd of October 2007, quite an interesting note here. The detective in charge of the inquiry, Gonzalo Amaral, is actually removed from the case after publicly uh, criticising the British police in an interview with a local Portuguese newspaper. So it's, they're coming from both angles here. A lot of criticism of the Portuguese police by both the McCanns and the British press. Yeah. And the British police. And now there's sort of, I view this as a bit of retaliation. A lot of mudslinging. Awful lot of mudslinging, Tom. So November 2007, Jerry McCann releases a video uh, where he basically says he believes the family was watched by a predator whilst they were there, which is an odd thing to say that long after it's happened, unless he's just had a flashback and he recalls it on an odd instance, but it seems to be grasping a straw slightly or, or maybe him trying to lead the energy away from him and Kate. It seems a bit of an odd thing to say at this stage. Yeah, predator is a strong word. Well, if it's taken a kid, then he probably... Yeah, absolutely, but the, fe- the feeling of being watched or being followed... How do you qualify that as kind of a predatory feeling? Yeah, but uh, the end result is the dog gets oh, kidnapped, it's not, so not, I don't know what your point is. He's claiming that he feels his family was being watched. Yeah. But how do we quantify that as predatory? Because the end result was that the kid gets taken. Have I done myself? I don't know what your question is. I just think that's a, s- a strong word to use. So and you think it, it should like be a hit like a nice guy watching the family and then Madeline gets taken? No, 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 no. I just think... Um, just a friendly old postman. Literally, the kid went missing. <laughs> I don't know what else it could be. I just think to say that by... A, oh, a pre- I understand it now. I have just clocked what I've done. But again, why so late into the investigation? And also, yeah, I know... That's what Tom said. At this point as well, Jerry uh, has a website that he's maintaining. He's doing daily kind of uh, blog posts there to kind of maintain the campaign to bring Maddie home. The 20th of January 2008, so the McCanns make a decision to release a sketch on their website, which is based off of the description of a, uh, a fellow holidaymaker at the resort of a creepy man who was seen lingering around the Ocean Club at a similar time that Madeline went missing. Different to your point you were making, but... yeah. To be labelled as just a creepy guy that's knocking around. But the end result, Tom, is that the child goes missing. That's different. They're being followed by someone and they're being just a creepy man. Mm. 19th of March 2008, like we said, there was the McCanns haven't uh, had a great experience with the press and also with the Portuguese police. And they actually accept £550,000 libel damages from the Express newspapers. Basically, they were, they were accusing them of being guilty in Madeline's death. Then the front page does go on to apologise to them. So it's all a bit weird, isn't it? Because if it was all resolved and they found out who the person actually was had done it, mm-hmm. you'd be like, yeah, it, they weren't guilty. Yeah, we got we'll, it wrong. We'll apologise. Have the money. Have half a mil. But then it's like, they could do that and, you know, they could be stuff come out and then it's like, they are guilty. Like, can we have the money back? Oh, <laughs> paid off the mortgage, which they did. Bit of an odd one. Bit of an odd one. They would take a lot of slander in the press, wouldn't they? People already kind of made their minds up by this point, not even a year beyond uh, Madeline first going missing so and that's a trend we'll continue to see so on the 7th of April 2008 Leicestershire police basically gather a series of the friends that were on holiday with the McCanns and they actually invite three of the lead Portuguese detectives to fly over to the UK to sit in on these particular interviews and they question them about the night of Madeline's disappearance and this is where we first start to see almost almost a year on their timelines aren't quite lining up with one another 
bit. And obviously it's a year on as well. I don't understand why this wasn't done sooner or if it was done sooner, why it wasn't done more thoroughly. Yeah. But this is where, yeah, almost every friend, they interview them uh, individually and all of their timelines, people that are heading back to the room to perform the checks, none of it lines up. And it's like majorly different as well. It's not just five, ten minutes different. It's different people, different times, different rooms. It's a big, big mess. Like all of them are playing a different game of Cluedo. They're recounting how it went. So the 3rd of May, 2008, this is a year after the disappearance. Kate McCann urges people to pray. And she actually says, pray like mad to find her little girl. Obviously, she is very religious. She's Roman Catholic and she did have a, you know, an audience with the Pope. We'll get into it later on, but it's just when it's so bizarre that they have such... I mean, obviously, a year goes by and it's, you know, it's a big news story, but the amount of press and coverage this story gets... Mm-hmm. I know, as I said, it is a year, so probably you'd imagine the story would come out, but yeah, it's just so many... In fact, it just seems it seems baffling to me. So the 21st of July 2008, the first Aguido, Robert Murat and the McCanns, actually get their Aguido status lifted with the final report of the Madeline's case submitted. The base decided, you know, there wasn't enough evidence there, and that status was lifted from the family and from Robert Murat. It's the 4th of August 2008. Obviously, it's over a year now since Madeline first went missing. There are thousands of pages of evidence and police reports that have been filed. And Portuguese police actually make public these thousands of pages of evidence. And uh, it's a a very controversial move because a lot of the public already didn't have very much faith in the Portuguese police, both British and Portuguese public. But also there was just so much controversy over how much attention this case had received and still continues to receive that loads of people then became obsessed with these files and wanted to solve the case for their own and still do to this day. On the 13th of January 2009, Jerry McCann flies back to Portugal for the first time since Madeline disappeared. Because that was another bit of criticism that the McCanns received. Obviously, they were being labelled our guidos by mm-hmm. the Portuguese police, so they came back to the UK. People then criticised them, saying, what are you doing in the UK when your daughter could still be in Portugal? Yeah. They couldn't really win, could no, they? No, For me, I mean, it was like, that does seem like a long time. But if you're being reassured by the police that are doing the work, are you more helpful over there or at home with your family? I don't know. It's, it's a tricky one. On the 24th of March 2009, the McCanns decide they want to launch a much more in-depth appeal to find out more information on the exact area where Madeline disappeared. They want to get, gather more information, see if there's any more sightings, and basically get as much as they can about that particular area at that particular time. On the 22nd of April 2009, they've seen the Pope, and now they're off to see Oprah Winfrey, and this marks two years since Madeline's disappearance. Yes, yeah, so they go on to see the hit show in the US to speak to Oprah Winfrey about it. Obviously, amazing publicity for the show and for them. But at the same time, it's you feel like the energy is put into into slightly odd places in this case. We'll go into you know just the amount of money that is raised and put in theory towards the actual mm-hmm. investigation. But it's yeah, it seems very odd to me. On the 14th of June 2009, so convicted paedophile Raymond Hewlett, who was actually dying at the time as well, comes out and makes a statement to say that he was actually in the Algarve when Madeline disappeared and that he has an alibi for where he was during that time, but refuses to reveal it. Raymond Hewlett was a kind of fleeting suspect. Um, He lived one hour's drive from the resort. Apparently... A weird story about him was he made friends with some people in the Algarve and then he basically said a story to them about how gypsies had once approached him to buy his children. That's his choice of words. So he kind of told this story to this couple and they remembered it about people basically trying to buy his children from him, uh, which when you start thinking about that and thinking about the possibilities, you start thinking, okay, that doesn't sound quite right. As Ben mentioned, he was convicted paedophile. He'd been in prison multiple times for raping children. He later moved to Germany and refused to answer questions when confronted by private detectives hired by the McCanns. And apparently he wrote to his estranged son saying that Madeline had been stolen to order. 
by a gang. Off one. Um, Had a lot of similar individuals come out of the woodwork with the uh, with the John Bonet Ramsey case. Yeah, very similar people that claim to have insider knowledge or there was a part of a wider ring going on. But yeah, he refuses to reveal this particular alibi that he claims to have as well, based on the night that she went missing. So just think, there's different types of evil in the world and if he's just doing that for the attention which is a possibility that's just yeah it's disgusting on the 6th of august 2009 so another interesting development in the search for madeline in barcelona police claim that they are searching for a victoria beckham lookalike who also has either an australian or new zealand accent who was reportedly seen in barcelona just three days after madeline went missing with a young girl in her company And to go back to those kind of strange male figures that were seen kind of lurking around the Ocean Club, there were also claimed to have been a couple of bizarre-looking women lurking around the Ocean Club at a similar time that Maddie went missing. And I always thought, if you were, let's say you were part of a criminal organisation who, to order, kidnapped people, it would be smart to use females to do the actual abduction because I'm sure much more men are involved in actual kidnaps. You'd look a lot more unassuming if you're a woman kind of lurking around a hotel complex. People assume maternal and assume yeah. it's not with, it wouldn't be within them. Yeah. yeah. And people say that image looks like Ghislaine Maxwell and she's a perfect example of what you're saying. On the 3rd of November 2009, images were printed of how Madeline could look now at that stage, at age six. Yeah, basically to put through an app, age booth or whatever. And one of the things people would use to try and recognise Maddie was she had a very distinctive blemish in her eye. It was a colobomber, it's something she suffered where basically it was a bit of a smear on, on the actual pupil of the eye. So it was very distinctive. They made this new image just to, you know, just to help people, if they see her now, what she could possibly look like. Yeah, and, and there was police criticism. Well, the Portuguese police were very unhappy about the news of Maddie's color bomber being shared as well because they felt that actually by sharing this information, although yes, it's a distinctive feature, mm. it also, if she's still alive at this point, puts her in way more danger because people that have her are more than likely to think, oh, she's going to be recognized now yeah. of this. But what's also really upsetting is obviously at this point, she's now aged six. They released these um, forensically kind of created images of what she might look like now. It's the amount of years that they do this every year. There's yeah. a new one, isn't there? So what are we on the, like the 15th anniversary now? Mm. So there's one every year released of what she it's might now look like. Literally the anniversary today. Yes. Fucking hell. We always do that. Like a complete That's, coincidence. We've never planned any of them. No, the canoe man, 20 years. So in 2010, I obviously had mentioned the thousands of police files that were released to the public domain by the Portuguese police. So the McCanns would actually go on to criticise this release of information by the Portuguese police to British newspapers detailing possible sightings of Madeleine. So at the time, Jerry would comment on being frustrated that police in Portugal and in England had not been actively looking for his daughter for what he considered a very long time. The McCanns also, via their website, launched an online petition to help form a UK and Portuguese joint review of all evidence in the case. So they're receiving a lot of criticisms themselves. They're obviously cascading their frustrations onto the UK and Portuguese police. They feel like all this information has just been chucked into the public domain and nothing's been done with it. At the same time, the McCanns sign a publishing deal to write a book about their daughter's disappearance. Yeah, that's again... It does just reek of cashing in. It doesn't re- It doesn't suggest that they're doing that and the intentions are going, this might jog some memories. May 2011, the McCann's book Madeline is released. The London Metropolitan Police is asked by the then Pre- um, Prime Minister David Cameron to help investigate the case again. 
and a two-year uh, review follows. In November of that year, uh, there was a Leveson inquiry into media ethics, and Kate and Jerry had a lot to say about how they were treated over this time and how unfairly they were treated with you know, newspapers implicating them and as well as their friends about the disappearance and how they all knew things. And the happy times during this period where they've actually uh, been able to get money from these papers, um, you know, for libeling them. They won those cases. And Large they, sums of money yeah, as well. Yeah, half a million for the for the family and, and the friends also got a big payout as well. Yeah, so they go on to tell the Leveson inquiry about how, you know, how unfairly they've been treated during this time and how much effect it had on them. And as well as um, Kate's diary was apparently uh, printed in the newspaper as well without her permission. Yes, it seems very odd and how they get access to that yeah. as well. April 2012, the detective leading the UK review of Madeline's disappearance, Detective Chief Inspector Andy Redwood tells the BBC's Panorama that he and his team is seeking to bring closure to the case. The release of another computer-generated image of what Madeline might look like now at age nine. A day later, amongst heavy criticism, Portuguese authorities say they are not reopening their investigation. July 2012, just months after Portuguese authorities say that they are not reopening their investigation, UK detectives receive a claim from an amateur investigator that the little girl's body is buried near the apartment from which she vanished. This particular amateur investigator based this claim off of a burial site he believed he could see from police radar scans. However, this claim proves not to be fruitful. In 2013, after being mistakenly identified as Madeline on numerous occasions due to the fact that she has the same distinct marks in her iris, an unnamed girl in New Zealand sends a DNA test to Scotland Yard. They conclude that this is not Madeline McCann. Scotland Yard said they have identified a number of people of interest they want to speak to. Officers believe they have now found enough evidence to reopen the case, but the Portuguese authorities are still resistant to reopen the case. In June of 2013, causing a lot of national criticism, the UK Home Office agrees to fund a full-scale investigation by the Metropolitan Police. This is said to have been a six-figure sum. A new appeal is launched in both England and Portugal in a bid to find a suspect that detectives say is of vital importance, with two new separate e-fits that are then subsequently released by police. This is thought to be based on the man seen carrying a small child by one of the McCann's friends. So this goes back to the initial composite of uh, just an oval with some hair on the top of it. It's now slightly more detailed, but again, there's not a lot to go off. It's a side view of someone Mm. walking. So yeah, not a lot to go off, but they say that it's of vital importance. October 2013, after over a year of refusing to do so, Portuguese police finally reopened their investigation to run alongside Scotland Yard as they have numerous new lines of inquiry and admit to having witnesses who were never questioned during the original Portuguese investigation. At the same time, Scotland Yard detectives say they have identified 41 potential suspects. That is a lot of suspects. Early 2014, several British detectives fly to Portugal amid claims that they are planning to make arrests. Whilst in Portugal the police investigate three burglars who were in the Praia de Luz area when Madeline disappeared. They investigated these three individuals due to claims that their phones were apparently red hot immediately after Madeline went missing. A letter is sent to Portuguese police asking for help to track these three individuals down. British police, including the detective leading up the case, fly to Portugal to meet with high-level Portuguese police and discuss the latest developments of the case. British police use ground-penetrating radar as well as a military helicopter in order to gain fresh evidence in the Praia de Luz area in search of Madeleine McCann. At the same time, Portuguese police also examine potential excavation sites, however their searches yield no results. Perhaps, hopefully, the McCanns say that the fact nothing was found in these areas only reinforces their belief that Madeline could still be alive. Four suspects are also interviewed by British and Portuguese police, but no new developments emerge. 
So Kate and Jerry have gone to Sky News and they call for a, a child rescue alert system to come in the UK, a similar thing to the Amber alert system in the US. And in July of that year, the, the McCann's actually gone to sue Gonzalo Amaral, who was the police uh, chief, you know, very early on in the investigation. He was very much part of it. He released a book of his own and they made some quite damning claims on the McCann's and what he thought actually had happened in the case. During the trial, the McCann's would say about their devastation, desperation, anxiety and pain after, you know, he accused them of, of killing their own daughter and the abduction and hiding the body. He's ordered to pay £433,000 in damages and the sale of his book is then prohibited. August 2015, Australian authorities are contacted by British police after a child's remains are found in a suitcase near Adelaide. Two days later, officers confirm the girl that was in the suitcase is not Madeline. In September of 2015, to much public dismay, the British government discloses that the investigation into the Madeline McCann disappearance has so far cost more than £10 million. And, as a result of this, the number of officers officially working the investigation out in Portugal is reduced from 29 to just four. 2016, the McCann investigation is granted an additional £95,000 by the then Home Secretary, Theresa May, in order to continue the search. This fee is considerably lower than what was usually granted. On this development, Detective Chief Superintendent Mark Duthie states there's always a possibility that we'll find Madeline and we hope that we'll find her alive. 2017, on the 10th anniversary of Madeline's disappearance, the McCanns say that they are bracing themselves and describe it as a horrible marker of stolen time. The following year, the Home Office grants British police £85,000 in order to extend the search for Madeline for a further six months. This then takes the total spent on the investigation to beyond £11 million, becoming by a distance the most expensive missing persons investigation in British history. The four official suspects investigated by police are ruled out of the investigation, but senior officers say that they are pursuing a significant line of inquiry. On the official McCann website for the Madeline Appeal, the McCanns write, It's likely to be stressful and painful and more so given the rehashing of old stories, misinformation, half-truths and downright lies, which will be doing the rounds in the newspapers, social media and special edition TV programmes. They also reveal that they still buy Christmas and birthday presents for Madeline every year and still have hope that their daughter will be found. November 2018. Funding for a further six months investigation into Madeline's disappearance is approved by the Home Office. The official figure is not known, but is believed to be between £50,000 and £65,000. In 2019, an eight-part Netflix series titled The Disappearance of Madeline McCann is released about Madeline's disappearance. The McCanns choose not to be involved in the film and in a statement released before... Selling a little... Or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Or it airs, they say that they are worried it could show a bias and potentially hinder the ongoing police investigation. So they would go on to say in a joint statement, the production company told us that they were making the documentary and asked us to participate. We did not see and still do not see how this program will help the search for Madeline and particularly given that there is an active ongoing police investigation could potentially hinder it. Consequently, our views and preferences are not reflected in the program. So what do you think about that? Because I think a documentary going out there on Netflix, I believe is going to be far more beneficial than them going on Oprah. There's been more eyes seeing that. If they tell the, you know, the real, you know, they're saying the events, they're, they're showing reconstructions, they're doing yeah. all this stuff, the money behind it. And surely you could even um, wager into saying some of the proceeds from that can go towards the search. You could well, say, that's it. Yeah. The very first thing you see on the series after the little Netflix gong is the, the UK contact for and the Portuguese yeah. contact for the, uh, you know, tips for the Madeline case. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Do you think they should went on it? As you said, they've done almost everything else at this point. I don't. I, I think it's because they were in this series, which is really well made. It's, it probably could have been done in a few less episodes than than there were. They all can. But it does also kind of put the spotlight on them as our Guidos for mm. the first few episodes. But then that's the story, isn't it? The story is that, and I guess you could. I mean, not, not many production companies would give you the uh, sign off or the edit. Imagine it would have been a far more viewed documentary if you had McCann's yeah. in there. Oh, definitely. So you probably would probably give them a little bit of freedom in terms of saying, you'll see the edit before it goes out. You can make some notes of things. But yeah, it's one of those where, I guess, again, they'll probably were um, advised not to be on there as well. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense. But I think sometimes they, they do things which, to me, that makes sense. And that would make just as much sense to me. Going, I guess you're, you're, you're saying your own story to everyone for you're not going to have that into mm-hmm. cover lots of other people and evidence, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. June 2020, in a seemingly huge break in the case, police revealed that a 43-year-old German prisoner named by German media as Christian B has been identified as a suspect. The suspect is linked to an early 1980s VW camper van which was pictured in the Algarve in 2007. The suspect is serving a prison sentence for a sex crime and has two previous convictions for sexual contact with girls. So Christian B, which is Christian Bruckner, is currently serving a seven-year jail term for a brutal attack in 2005 on a 72-year-old woman, which happened in Pride de Luge, which is, it was the same result which Madeline went missing from in 2007. So he's also got previous, uh, they found children's clothes in the camper van. He's got a history of breaking into holiday homes and stealing. 30 minutes after Maddie went missing, his phone pinged a tower close by, which, which meant he was in the local area. They found a USB with lots of child porn on it in his property as well. Basically, he's got lots and lots of things, which basically mean you know, he's the kind of person you can imagine doing this, especially with the breaking in with his history of, of sexual assault as well. He denies any involvement, but he was around the, that area around that kind of time. A prosecutor called Hans Christian Walters has actually said whilst gathering evidence that he is 100% convinced that Bruckner killed Madeline. 
which is quite a statement. It emerges that Christian Broekner is now the prime suspect due to allegedly confessing his part in Madeleine's disappearance to a man in a bar. They were sitting in a German bar when a news report about Madeleine's disappearance came on TV. Christian allegedly said something to suggest that he was responsible for her going missing. Later, he showed the same companion a video of himself raping an elderly woman, an American tourist who was in Portugal in 2005. This prompted that individual to inform the German police of what he had just been shown and what he had just been told, prompting them to further investigate Christian Breukner. The 10th of June 2020, the McCanns thank police, saying, All we have ever wanted is to find her, uncover the truth and bring those responsible to justice. We will never give up hope of finding Madeline alive, but whatever the outcome may be, we need to know as we need to find peace. At the same time, German investigators say they have classed Madeline's case as a murder inquiry and are assuming that Madeline is dead, which must have been harrowing for Kate and Jerry to hear. The Metropolitan Police launched an appeal for new information which, despite the large amount of time and criticism that the investigation has endured, still receives more than 270 calls in the first few days. 16th of June 2020, German prosecutor Hans Christian Walters says that he has written to Madeline's parents telling them that he has concrete evidence that she is now dead. But strangely, in this same letter, he refuses to tell them why, stating that to reveal this evidence would jeopardise his ongoing investigation into Christian Breukner. It seems a weird thing to say in a letter like that, saying, oh, by the way, your daughter's definitely dead. Can't tell you why at the moment. Just know she's definitely dead. It seems a weird thing. Why not just wait? I mean, I I understand you can't, like, they've probably learned from the other mistakes previously about things being leaked to the press and coming out. It will jeopardise the investigation in doing that, but Mm -hmm. I just feels like... Well, this is is almost two years ago, Hans, so how concrete was your evidence? Caught on red hands, did Um... He might as well hands in his notice at this rate. Do you know what I mean? As a result, Jerry McCann issues a rare public statement and says that any reports linking the McCanns to having received a letter from selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. German authorities stating that Madeline is dead are false and that any unsubstantiated stories had caused unnecessary anxiety to friends and family and once again disrupted our lives. 
17th of June 2020, German investigators say they want to retest a saliva sample found in the McCann's holiday apartment where Madeline went missing. However, the sample was only a trace sample, and in the 13 years since it was collected, it was impossible to extract any DNA profile from it. On the 12th of July 2020, Portuguese authorities explored three disused wells in the search for Madeline, but they were unable to find any evidence of her body. On the 23rd of July 2020, Portuguese police reopened their investigation into the unsolved rape of an Irish woman who believes her attacker may have been Christian Breukner. He was convicted of a similar rape that occurred a year after she was attacked in Praia de Rocha on the Algarve coast in April of 2004. Yeah, I mean, Christian Breukner is, there's a whole heap, he's a whole case just on him by himself. There's lots of stuff he's done, really dark stuff. Mm -hmm. They're looking basically now, because of this has kind of come out, they're basically pinning lots of things on him and thinking they could be, you know, guilty of a lot of crimes, a lot of people missing as well. I'd be very interested to see how this develops. Obviously, the end of this investigation, this Mm -hmm. is very much happening now so um be it be very interesting to see where this leads to on the 25th of july 2020 despite the ongoing investigation into madeline's assumed murder a retired teacher tells portuguese police she believes she saw madeline mccann in a supermarket on the algarve coast in 2017 the woman said she believed it was madeline who would be 17 now because of the distinctive blemish in her right eye On the 28th of July 2020, German police investigating Madeline's disappearance searched for her body in an allotment near Hanover. The site is around 40 miles from the city of Braunschweig, where Christian B. was last registered as living prior to his arrest. No remains are found. So April 2022, just last month at the time of recording, after two years of silence, Portuguese prosecutors announced they have declared a person as an official suspect in the case. 22nd of April 2022, convicted child abuser Christian Breukner is made an official suspect in Madeline's disappearance by Portuguese police but has not yet been charged. He has since denied any involvement in her disappearance. The decision is said to have been prompted by the 15-year limit for prosecuting serious crimes in Portugal. However, authorities claim that they are still keeping their options open. A Portuguese source added, The legal grounds for making Christian an Arguido include the fact that he allegedly confessed to a friend he had snatched Madeline and mobile phone records placed him in Praia de Luz the night that she vanished. Portuguese source. Nando, please don't rule it out. Please don't be a hot lead. South African, isn't it? Nando's? Mm. Oh, it's weird, because if you Google it, it says South Africa. That's mental. Is it? Shit. Nando's is indeed a Portuguese chain, but it was started by a Portuguese immigrant. In Johannesburg, South yeah. Africa. So mental. It's a Portuguese chicken. Formed in South Africa. By a Portuguese immigrant. Crazy. Dan, which one do you think is right there? Well, it's Portuguese, isn't it? Yeah, okay, cool. Before we get into the aftermath, we're going to throw things over to Dr. Das for his clinical input on the Madeline case. Hello, everybody. My name is Dr. Shaham Das. I'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist and I act as an expert witness giving evidence in criminal cases. I'm also the host of a YouTube channel called A Psych for Sore Minds. Now, I'd like to give you my psychoanalysis of the McCann case, but it's limited because we don't actually know who the perpetrator is. I still think there's some interesting psychodynamic processes that are going on with the parents, the McCanns. One theory is that the parents were involved intentionally in Maddie's death so that they killed her. I personally don't believe, I don't subscribe to this theory. I mean, they're both doctors. Of course, that doesn't guarantee that they're not, you know, murderous. Harold Shipman would be a landmark case, but I would say that he's exceptional in that he's older, he's a bit more isolated, he's very odd, but the McCanns aren't really like that. And it just doesn't make sense to me personally that they would pre-plan the murder of their child 
because it's just such an unusual thing to do, but also because why would they do it abroad? Surely there's too many variables, it's too unpredictable. It would be much easier if they, if they intended to do that, to do it at home. Another theory that I still personally don't subscribe to, but is probably a little bit more believable, is that there might, might have been an accidental death. So we know that the McCanns give, gave sedatives to their kids, so it's not inconceivable that they might have given Maddie too much might have resulted in in her death. The reason I don't really believe this is because to me they just seem too calm and, and collected for this to have been the case. So we know they went out for dinner with other people and the chances of one of them being so psychopathic and so calm and together to hide it up I think is really low. So the chances of them both being able to do that I think is exceptionally low. Surely if they had killed her by accident, they would have at one point made an attempt to resuscitate her, you know, call for an ambulance, etc, etc. There would have been a commotion. I don't want to victim shame and I don't want to be seen to be having a go at the McCanns, but I, I don't think there's any way that you can argue that what they did wasn't irresponsible to leave Maddie in the situation that they did. So I've got two children. They're a bit older now, but when they were younger, we would go to parties, we would stay at villas. And frankly, it was a relief when they finally went to sleep because young kids are a lot of hard work. And if you're there with your friends, you want to socialise, you want to let loose. You're looking forward to that first sip of beer. However, me and my peers, my friends, would only ever leave them if we're literally in the same building, like downstairs from them sleeping upstairs, and never in a scenario where other people could have access to that building. The McCanns, what they did is, is pretty remarkable. I mean, they left the door open. I think there's a good reason for leaving the door open, but nevertheless, they did. They did that and they did it in a foreign country that they weren't that familiar with. But most importantly to me, and most shockingly, there are reports of some dodgy men being around there earlier, around the resort, asking for money, etc. So that must have created a creepy kind of atmosphere. So I think most people would be hyper alert. You probably wouldn't even want your kid around those kind of characters when they're awake and with you, let alone, you know, potentially being around them when they're sleeping. Despite everything that I've just said, one other element I'd like to comment on is the following. I've heard theories or comments about the parents potentially being on it because they didn't appear to be upset enough. And I think this is completely unfair. And the reason is, is because people, they can't even predict how they're going to react themselves to intense trauma, let alone predict how other people are going to react. So let's, let's do a bit of a thought exercise. Hypothetically speaking, if there's an expected death in the family, say there's like an older relative who, you know, dies of cancer and, and the family have had enough time to prepare for the death often people are still stunned they're still in shock and we all know that it can take weeks and sometimes it can even take months to actually fully feel the emotions or accept what has happened so if we accept that scenario imagine amplifying the confusion and the shock of the death of a young daughter in a foreign country when then you're very quickly a suspect from the police and you have all this press attention. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think you can predict how anybody would react in that kind of case. So I don't think it's fair to judge the McCanns for that. I'm drawn to the case of Amanda Knox. So if you're a true crime fan, you'll know that she spent almost four years in an Italian prison for the wrongful conviction in 2007 of the murder of Meredith Kircher. And then later a known burglar, Rudy Guede, was arrested and there was ir irrefutable evidence. So they found bloodstained fingerprints on Kircher's possessions. Now, the reason I'm bringing this case up is because if some of you might remember this, but people were absolutely convinced that Amanda Knox was guilty because of her odd behaviour, because of her disposition. She was kind of, there were pictures of her in the newspapers of her, you know, laughing, joking, doing yoga stretches in the police station. And people assume because she acted in a way that they don't understand that that indicates that she was guilty. 
But my submission is that just because she appeared to be calm outwardly doesn't mean that she wasn't distressed or disorientated or confused. I mean, we all know about the fight and flight reaction and, the, and then you can add a third element, the freeze. So I think people acting in a bizarre, inexplicable way is an odd version of the freeze reaction. So just like some people giggle uncontrollably when they're stressed or when they're in an embarrassing situation, that doesn't mean they find the situation funny. It's just that's their uncontrollable way of reacting to it. The point I'm trying to make is that I think we can't judge other people's reactions if they're not understandable from our point of view. On top of everything I've said, some people that just feel uncomfortable showing distress in front of other people, they feel uncomfortable showing discomfort in front of friends and families, let alone in front of the public in like press conferences. We don't know how the McCanns were behind closed doors. The final thing I'll say in this matter is that you can't assume that your outward expression always correlates to your internal emotions. So I'm sure we've all got friends who are a bit histrionic, a bit dramatic. We, we all know these people who get very sort of agitated or bring drama to situations unnecessarily and then they get over it quickly. On the other end of the spectrum, some people are just stoic. It doesn't mean they're not upset internally. It just means they don't show it as much. So to me, it doesn't make sense that people say that the McCanns are guilty because they didn't seem upset enough. And also if, and I, I don't think this is the case, but theoretically speaking, if they were clever enough or devious enough to have killed her and somehow managed to cover up the murder, then they would have been clever enough, in my view, to fake being more upset. So I hope that's helped in terms of understanding some of the insights of the McCann's behaviour um, around this tragic case. If you're interested in the stuff that I'm talking about, then you should go and check out my YouTube channel, A Psych for Sore Minds. It's like a crossover between true crime and mental illness. Recently, I've been doing deep dive series on the psychology behind different types of offending. So the psychology behind internet trolls, the psychology behind stalking, the psychology behind pathological lying. And every time I go through like a high profile case and I, I kind of break it down and dissect it. So I hope that's interesting for you. Okay. I've rambled on long enough. Now back to Tom and Ben for the rest of this episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Das, for all of your input over the series. And uh, if you haven't already, why not check out his channel, A Psych for Sore Minds? So Ben's got some different theories about what possibly could have happened that night. There's many a theory out there and lots of different interesting takes out there. And I'm very interested to see what you boys think at the end of this as well. And I'm obviously interested to see what you guys, the audience as well, think. So do let us know. But Ben, can you tell us some of the different theories surrounding this case? Absolutely, absolutely. So the first theory is that Madeline exited the apartment off her own accord and somehow then died or was taken after leaving the building herself. It's reported that she may have been sedated in order to help her sleep and that this could have been a, a slightly lower dosage, causing her to kind of be slightly confused mm. and stumble out onto the streets. Yeah, I've heard a theory about being struck by a car and the person panicking, picking up the body and then basically taking the body away to dump it elsewhere. There's no evidence to support that theory, is mm. there, really? No, not really. And that really. doesn't explain the... I know I said cadaver dogs can't be 100% trusted in terms of what they find, but these dogs were, as I said before, the best of the best. Yeah, it's one of those where that, yeah, that could have happened, but a hot air balloon could have come down and swept around the bed. That's true. Unlikely, but it is a theory that is, is out there. Another theory that, um, obviously, with the parents being physicians, um, giving Maddie a dosage of drugs to help her sleep and perhaps giving her too much of a higher dose resulting in, in her death. One thing about, obviously, the cadaver dogs, which people find fascinating, is the hire car, they hired that about a month after. Yes. And the cadaver dogs, they found the smell on the keys and things to do with the car. So how is that happening? Yeah. Because this one is, like, to me, it's baffling. Some people believe they basically gave her an overdose accidentally or too much of the sleeping pills. She passed away because of it. They then discover the body, hide the body. Or freeze it. 
Freeze. That was another one of the rumors to do with this. But yeah, but that, because there's so much, you know, it, this picks up pace so quickly. The McCanns aren't going to be out of eye shot the whole time. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to be going in the car, putting a body in there, taking somewhere else and dumping it. There's just no way. But then, how why they could have a dog smelling this stuff on the new car? That one's baffling to me in terms of them. The idea that they they have the body for that long and have the time to be able to move it, unless yeah. the person who did do it happened to have that car rented before they had it. Yeah, which. Just seems unlikely. Forgive yeah. my ignorance. You know the cadaver dogs. Yeah. Do they do they smell a scent, or is it, is it like to do with the body, or like even just clothing? They can. Scent? So cadaver, they actually smell in death, essentially. Ah, right. Wow. Some dogs sense like blood and stuff and find that, but then cadaver itself means the smell of death. I, I would love to speak to someone about who works with cadaver dogs. I find it's fascinating how they're able to do that. There has been cases before where cadaver dogs have stood literally on the spot where someone's buried and haven't found the body. Yeah. So he can't say they 100% are accurate. You know, it's very confusing, that, that theory, I, I believe. So another theory is that Kate and or Jerry were both involved, either via directly murdering Maddie or accidentally murdering Maddie. This is backed up by some statistics rather than actual concrete evidence. So statistically, the parents are most likely to be involved, though usually they are involved when either they have gone through a divorce or separation. Mm -hmm. It was widely speculated that Jerry and Kate had had quite a heated argument the night before. But one thing that kind of shoots a bit of a hole in this is that they had a 30-minute window at most for this to happen, again, being accidental or intentional. There's no conclusive evidence on this. And also, why would you choose to do something like this, even if it was heat of the moment impulsive, whilst on holiday with your friends? Yeah, that's true. The probability of an accident weighs up slightly more, although, again, it's highly unlikely that all seven of the tapas seven, as they would go on to be referred to, would conspire to cover this up. And again, only giving uh, Kate and Jerry a 30-minute window for this to happen. Another theory is obviously the intruder theory, and I think this is the one that obviously the McCanns are uh, most keen to push. But I also think this is the one that, for me, holds holds the most ground. So there are numerous uh, reports of suspicious men and also suspicious women lingering around the resort throughout the day and throughout the days building up to the disappearance. Mm. Particularly note that numerous uh, individuals that were clearly not tourists, but also not locals, were approaching the McCanns as well as their friends, asking for money from them. Uh, many had stated that instead of when asking them for money, they would just stare straight past them and stare directly at their children, which I think is a really yeah, horrible, horrible thought. And on one occasion, one of the females that were begging tried to approach the children directly, but was kind of scared away mm. by one of the parents. I might be misremembering this. When I was a young lad, I was very blonde. And going away in certain places, you were very much a novelty for being blonde, because not many people were. In Portugal, I don't think there's very naturally blonde people. I think it was Spain and stuff I went to. Like People in that shops kind of talking to my mum, kind of being like, oh, not like you know, being weird like that. So a young blonde girl, it could be, I don't know, saying that it's something unusual for them. A theory that I think Dan might get on board with, the Enigma theory, which basically people believe that Madeleine McCann never existed. It's a very outward, out there, this one. Some people think she isn't actually a person and was made up by the British government to distract attention from other news stories or to raise money for the country. Halloumi on Twitter actually tweeted out, what if Madeleine McCann never existed and her parents are high-paid actors? Now that is a conspiracy theory. The Tapas 7. That's a very, very out there one, isn't it, really? To, to link very quickly back to the intruders as well, there were also numerous reports of uh, 
masked men entering various local residences and committing robberies during the time. No kidnappings, although there was a very famous Portuguese kidnapping at the exact same time as Madeline went missing. And this is what caused a lot of national outrage at how much money and attention yeah. was going to Madeline. So a Portuguese boy named Rui Pedro went missing at the same time as Madeline. However, he was 11 years old. The Portuguese public felt that he didn't get an ounce of the attention that Maddie got. This is quite sad. His image, Rui Pedro's image, was found when police uncovered a elusive paedophile ring known as the Wonderland Club, which was quite an extended and sophisticated paedophile ring in Europe. Photos of Rui Pedro were found on laptops seized from members of the Wonderland Club. Wow. He has still not been found to this day. It's very dark. At the time of Madeline going missing as well in Portugal, there were nine missing children across the whole country of Portugal at the time. Less than 1% of the money that was spent on Madeline was spent across all nine of the missing Portuguese children. Yeah, sadly, that doesn't surprise me. But that's, yeah, that's horrible. There's another theory, Dan, that you might actually be keen on. The discovery theory. People believe that Madeline was actually was found alive, but because her case was so high profile, they basically kind of let, kept people thinking she was missing just because she wouldn't be able to go back to a normal life. So, yeah, that's an interesting one itself. But you would have thought, well, why is this news coming out now and all that stuff? But yeah, lots of different theories going around it. Uh, there was another suspect, which we didn't mention in the timeline there, a guy called Euclides Montero. He was a heroin addict and he worked all around the local area, but he was actually fired around this time. He was believed to be raiding people's guest homes, going into the holiday homes, stealing things in order to aid his, his addiction. The theory is perhaps maybe he awoke Maddie at this time, panicked and then took her with him, but this is never substantiated. He actually would go on to die from a freak tractor accident. Oh, how freaky you were talking. A man died then. So yeah, a lot of criticism at the at the time at the McCanns and how they were reacting. So very emotionless, very kind of stern face, didn't show a lot of... They didn't look very broken up by the fact that their daughter was missing and that drew a lot of uh, criticism from the public. But also... Yeah, yeah, one, it was one of the things they said, which is interesting, was when they'd been asked you know, about feeling guilty and stuff, they said, yeah, we did feel guilty the first few days. So, yeah. That's an interesting thing to say. I mean, you probably you probably harbour that for a bit longer than for a few days if you because they still I think they're very adamant. Like, look, we we didn't do anything wrong by leaving our kids there. It's just like being in the garden. Mm. Even if you leave your windows <coughs> open wide enough for an eagle to fly in and take your kid, you'd feel guilty. Yeah, I shouldn't have left the window that wide open. One thing that's quite interesting about eagles. Jerry. Oh, uh, well, eagles are fascinating, but Jerry obviously is California. <laughs> Jerry obviously um, consultant cardiologist. Mm. So. A surgeon, essentially. We've talked about this before, and obviously some surgeons, based on the role that they carry out, score very highly on the psychopathy scale. Yes. So potentially, again, maybe he just has, as a normal character trait, a lack of, not a lack of empathy, but maybe... Well, it's, it's said that because both of them work in that field, and they, you know, they have to say bad news to people, they're yeah. very kind of, can be very practical, and, you know, just be very sullen and not give, not be too emotional. So I, I believe that to be the case. I mean, the thing with psychopathy as well is you tend to be very charming. I think they both haven't come across that well in the, in the interviews and haven't been able to charm their way through it. You know, I think people, most people would agree they haven't come across the best in the whole of this as, uh, already. They don't yeah. trust the press anyway, like, no. obviously. Well, they, they didn't really trust the police, did they? Because immediately they were throwing quite a lot of blame at the Portuguese yeah. police. So to go back to the beginning of the, the timeline, when we talked about Maddie speaking the morning before she went missing, asking Kate why she didn't come to her and the twins when they were crying, it's alleged that the reason Kate even decided to let police know about Maddie saying that 
is that they speculated the reason they were crying is because someone was trying to get into the apartment and that's and they were put off by the fact that Maddie and the twins started screaming and crying but then she's not kind of spanned that in the greatest light towards herself because she mm. never then went to follow that up which you know could that have been an intruder practicing or scoping out the area yeah. that's the thing with the door thing that it's like a subtle thing we mentioned is the fact that when jerry came back the door was open a bit further mm-hmm. and the door was fully open so <clears> it does kind of think like the horrifying thing of what if someone was in the house when they came to check Heard them come in, quickly hid, you know, it's mm. it terrifying. A lot of people, again, also pointing, you know, asking the question, what do they have to gain from this? And mm. some people immediately saying financially they gained quite a lot, but they were successful in their careers at the time. I've just had a look now. And as of the 27th of April, 2021, they actually had a privately administered fund, which had a net worth of £773,000 with a likely additional £300,000 top-up due any time. So they've established almost over, well, over a million pounds uh, worth of funds to their own net worth. And then they've had a considerable amount come from uh, the British government. Yeah, as well. And like they were criticised for using that, like I mentioned earlier, towards the mortgage. Yes. That off, which apparently the fund was there to help them financially. Like obviously it was, but, you know, people would like to think they're using that in order to, you know, fair enough pay your bills and be able to pay off these things whilst you're still looking for your child but mm-hmm. don't well as soon as it became public information it was on one of their mortgages wasn't it mm. so as soon as it became public information they, they, they decided yeah yeah we won't do that anymore again another criticism was that there was a, a nanny service available at the resort and they also had like a, an evening crash which uh, they refused all of the tapas seven refused to leave their children in like essentially an evening daycare obviously this spare a thought for the twins as well who are much older now and obviously have to live with this life of their yeah. parents getting criticized their older sister being missing so producer dan you've heard all the timeline there you've heard some theories i know you were kind of quite keen on the enigma theory there but what what are you leaning toward here no my theory is pretty pretty straightforward and boring unfortunately i think it, she was abducted uh, and quite possibly killed as simple as that really but i just can't get over the enormity of what followed yeah. In terms of the press and how much money they're made out of it and how it's still going. It's obviously a very sad case, but yeah. there are so many more child abductions going on. Yeah, you think, like Ben said, the 1%, 70 cases with less than 1% of what they've received. And you think, you know, how much that money could have been put to help other people. And especially as time goes by, like with the percentages of how likely Maddie would be to being killed. Obviously, I'm not saying, you know, you, oh, if the kid's dead, then don't bother searching. Obviously, closure and you want that want to find the body still I completely understand that and I don't kind of buy like the accidental death or delivery no No, I can't I can't I think as even though they got a lot of flack I I kind of personally think and we'll go on to your theory in a second but I personally think as doctors you know they'd look to take a hospital I mean they probably could say oh she's passed on and we don't be able to revive or whatever but i think they would just take it on the chin in terms of you know what's best for the family they're not going to hide the body and stuff I, yeah. I think it's a bit far-fetched but i'm with you with the intruder theory i think this christian guy from things i've heard about him he's a very dark individual with a very horrible past mm-hmm. lots of horrible red flags with him very interested to see what happens here but i have a feeling that this case just won't be solved in my lifetime yeah, that was a question I was going to ask. Uh, will it be solved in our lifetime? Will there be any kind of concrete Your lifetime update? or mine? Well, we're, we're the same age, a um, <laughs> couple of months in between. So, you know, but, we'll, you know, you never know what's around the corner, guys. Dead happy. Exactly, yeah. My theory then, so I am with you and producer Dan in that I believe in the intruder theory. I believe there was someone in the resort staff 
that's in on it. Right. Because in the tapas reservations of the evening, of which they would reserve the same, the McCann's and the tapas seven mm. would reserve the same table every night. And in one of the reservation notes, it is stated that they needed that table because they needed to go and check on their children who would be sleeping in the room. Mm. Obviously, it's for the fourth night that they do this exactly the same routine. Mm. Someone in the staff would have been noticing they're going over there, they're checking there, the door's not locked, something's going on. And I reckon they've alerted a, use the phrase earlier in the episode, someone that is kidnapped, a, a targeted kidnap. I can't remember the exact way you phrased Stolen to order. Stolen to order. So I believe, yeah, the reason the twins weren't taken is because Maddie was specifically targeted. Someone in the staff team have observed that they're not locking the back door properly. My theory is that they've alerted someone, either a male or a female. That room is open. It's also the room nearest to the street. Street. And mm. if you Google map, you know, the location of this hotel, you've got loads of options. You can go by sea, by boat. You can go into a really, there's a massive national park on the other side of the coast, or you can immediately flee up northern Portugal. So they got options. And I believe she's still alive. Based on? It's, it's hideous, but I believe she was stolen to order and is now, I hate to say it, but she's now in a basement somewhere in Europe in being trafficked. But I think the McCann's were massively neg- negligent. They, <laughs> they were uh, very negligent. They were negligent. I think they were very much... Uh, I wouldn't even leave my dogs unlocked. Learned the lesson. Learned the lesson that way. And of course, yes, this is obviously a case which has multiple uh, documentaries out there. Eight Paths, there's so much to this mm. case. And to be honest, if you watch different documentaries, different timescales... They're very much going down different routes and different people yeah. and different theories. There's so much to unpack with this one. Missing it, persons cases. They're yeah. just fascinating, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, this and John Renee, on the, again, it's like there's a lot of um, similarities in terms of behaviours and actions afterwards. Same we were saying last week with Dharma and Dennis Nilsson. There's just some, some cases have slight little uh, similar aspects to them. Well, to give some hope as well, obviously we've covered cases like the Joseph Fritzl case, Castro. the Ariel Castro case, where they've had people captive, obviously Castro for 11 years, Fritzl for 24 years, mm. slightly different scenarios but i also just searched what is the longest time a missing child has been missing for but found alive and that was jc duggard 32 years 18 years but technically i mean joseph fritzel's daughter was technically missing and that was 24 years i think she says she definitely was missing yeah ben uh is the final one of the series lookalikes we we haven't done uh maddie because that would be very inappropriate Mm. but ben have you picked i've only done one i've done the christian Back. Oh, okay. So between us, we've got three different people then. So when I initially figured I couldn't get any lookalikes in this episode, I just put Jerry sounds a lot like Ewan McGregor. Okay. But he also looks quite a bit like Laurel out of Laurel and Hardy. No. no. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm trying to be more positive with your opinions, but... Thank you. Oh, maybe this one's better then. Kate, for some reason, I get massive Cersei Lannister vibes. She's in Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. better. I get some better pictures of Laurel for Jerry. I think the second one, I'll say yes. Okay. The first one. <laughs> Laurel. Yes, yeah, a terrible it's not show. not bad. He looks more like Laurel than Hardy. No, I'm saying he looks like Hardy. Yeah. Right, well, <laughs> it's yeah. just your... Mm. Do you see mine? I'd love to, yeah. Uh, so one of the mine's first ones I think is pretty good. I believe Christian B looks like Stephen Graham. Oh. And then I also think he looks a little bit like Lawrence Fox, if you put Ian Bill's eyes on it. Okay, specific, yeah. Lawrence Fox with uh, Ian... Impulse, I don't know. Yeah. Looks like he could be Anders Brevik's brother. 
We've both had one. Yeah, there's also an ongoing oh, controversy. Go. Probably You've probably seen and heard about this, but there's a burger bar in West Yorkshire. Big bit of controversy for Mother's Day. So an advert for a burger van that aired over Mother's Day making light of the Madeleine McCann case has been banned for causing offence. So basically it's the owner of this company called the Otley Burger Company. He runs their social media as well. He's also the head chef. He posted an image that had the caption, Burgers for dinner. With burgers this good, you'll leave your kids at home. What's the worst that could happen? And then it was just a picture of a load of burgers with Madeleine McCann and Kate McCann. It didn't even work. He's used various various serial killers as well to kind of promote different meal deals. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Doesn't even, yeah. At least if he'd make it a little bit clever. Yeah. So guys, that is it. That is it for Series 5. Thank you so much for your support and your continued support. Thank you to the whole team at ICMOP. We've had a lot of fun this series. Done a lot of big cases, a lot of small cases. Next series, we're already thinking about which one's going to pick. So very excited to do that. But also, we're very excited to bring the new stuff in between. Mm. We are going to be back with some Minnesotas and a different series strand, which we're going to try something a little bit different. So we hope you enjoy that. And of course, we will continue with the audio and continue over on Patreon as well. Absolutely. If you just can't wait until we start bringing some new content, then why not head over to Patreon.com forward slash Could Murder a Pod. We've got 65, 66 episodes on it's there. A number this in the 60s ben and by becoming a patreon supporter you also get an exclusive tasty little discount wow. to the online merch store yeah icmap.store mm. uh, it's a pretty good deal tom it's a very good deal and you get a bunch of goodies from over there don't forget to tag us in any pictures when you're posting them we love to see it thank you so much producer dan thank you boys thank, thank you to every single listener watcher supporter merch wearer you're all Fan bloody tastic. Yes, thank d- you. Don't forget to leave us reviews over on our audio things. It really helps you more than you know. Give us a sub, give us a like, give us a comment. We love to hear from you. And like we always say for a final time, <coughs> what the fuck do you say? Do we say this all the time? Keep doing what are you doing. No, that's your part. Yeah, it's my part. Well, what you what you doing? Unless it's uh, button in when it's my part. Well. It's not a predator. Someone following around kids. And Ben, I think it's a predator. <laughs> All right, two fit. <laughs> you did, yeah. Right, at the end of series five. Legendary. <laughs> oh. Ben, quick, you got time. Mm. Right. One, two. Fuck me, Dan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> click that one, That got me, but that got Ben. <laughs> no, neither. All right, okay. Come on, Ben. Dan, fucking hell, man. <laughs> But seriously, I don't have time this one. You have been listening to I Could Murder a Podcast. Written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Produced and mixed by Dan Lambert at Boston Sound. Additional research and timelines written by Danielle St. Romain. Additional voiceover by Sarah Baxendale. Work and animation by Phil Wooten. And theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode please remember to subscribe on YouTube and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search at Pod. For additional and exclusive content, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Pod. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a sporty new Camry or stylish Corolla, both with available all-wheel drive. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the Acast Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.